don't tidy up at your own house. So why do you start tidying up when you come around to ours? It's not tidying up. It's just it's just the right thing to you do with a dirty coffee cup. You don't just leave it lying about. It, do is you? there something wrong with the way that we live our lives that you sort of feel like you need yeah. to come in and clearly? Yeah. What's that mag- maggot? You know <laughs> what happened there? It's like the hotel inspector, or you know how clean is your house? Chinch comes in and starts moving things around. Are you rifling through our experiment? I don't want to. <laughs> if only. I don't want to come in and rub it in your faces, but there's just little ways which I can maybe encourage you to change your lifestyles. Just a just a tad. You know, putting coffee cups in the sink rather than leaving them in the back garden. That type of thing. Yeah? That's a slightly circuitous route that mm. you're going to go outside, leave your coffee cup and then come back anyway, in. Anyway, enough talk about the, enough talk of, of cleaning. Have any of you seen the terrific series that Brian Cox has done called The Planets? Have you? No. No. Seriously? Busy. You, honestly. <laughs> Busy. You have Life. to. You'd never realise that Uranus could be so much fun. Unbelievable planet. <laughs> spent, it really is. That was is. a long walk to that gag. <laughs> you have spent all your time, basically, in recent weeks, yep. watching television and clearing up coffee cups. Mm. Do something more constructive. There's nothing more constructive than realising and putting into perspective what we, the human race, are on this blue marble. It's it, Honestly, you've got to watch it. Brian is a terrific watch, but it's mainly... Uh, the, the planets that are the stars of the show. Brian Cox went to the same school as my dear wife. Clearly, he listened to uh, what was being taught, whereas Gemma didn't. Is that when he or got else the idea? She to... would be hosting the uh, the ice gas giants, wouldn't she? Yes, that's the problem with her. Is that where he got the idea that things could only get better? Oh, nice. Very good. It's not often that you get a D-Ream reference these days, oh, but oh. I'm glad I'm glad that you brought it up, Stephen. Oh, oh, the poster boys as they were for the 1997 Labour election campaign. Or for the 1996 Freshers' Ball. Oh, is that right? One or the other. Did I, they visit your Freshers' Ball? No, no, ball? we didn't. Did no, no, but that was, you know, that was basically the, um, the university theme tune of the era, wasn't it? I didn't have a university theme tune. Did Cambridge? Yeah, but it was in Latin. <laughs> Uh, popular, probably po- popular songs. Probably in Latin. Was, beating people with sticks. Or what was what was in the in the in the beat charts at that time? I can't remember. Uh, who did, I saw Chesney Hawks at the um, one concert venue in East Anglia. I met Chesney Stocking Hawks once. And <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I I don't think I've been as excited to meet anybody as I was to meet Chesney. Cool Chesney. Why? Because uh, I am the oh. one and only. Mm. Was side one, track one on Smash It's 1990, mm. and that was a seminal piece of compilation work in my childhood. Smash It's 1990 was, and now 18, were probably the two first kind of compilation albums that I bought that shaped my early pop listening. What's your favourite Beatles album? The best of the Beatles. <laughs> uh, I'd have to say. You'd probably have to say the best of uh, the Beatles. Revolver. And do you know why? Because my mum and dad have an original copy from 1966. It, I, just, I was just setting Rory yeah. up for the gag. He, I didn't we were really only in for the gag. Yeah. Do you see the, no, I want to tell the, you the, the story because it's way better than the well, gag. No, that no, makes you Did sound Did you see the, um, yes. the, the Donald Trump interview? Which is your favourite testament? Yeah, which is your favourite Bible verse? And it was very much, I have to say, the best of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> All the hits. <laughs> Love all the hits. You've said we you play really, all the hits here. You've said you really like the uh, like the Bible, Mr. President. Is there a is there a bit in particular that you you really enjoy that you'd like to share with us? Oh, that's very personal. Yeah, well, go on. Give us just give us an example. 
No, no, I'd rather not get into it. Yeah, There must be something you can say about this love for a book that you have. It's the bit that they cross out where he said that the tram was the, the book the Bible could have been that turned it into four <laughs> Oh, Jesus wept. This is Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. Joining me, Hugh Ferris, are Rory Smith... Apollo, god of the sun, poetry and more, son of Zeus and Leto, and known as the most beautiful of all gods. Stephen Wyeth, Heracles, the greatest of Greek heroes, son of Zeus and Alcmene, a paragon of masculinity. And Andy Hinchcliffe, Hephaestus, the god of metalwork, son of Zeus and Hera, cast off Mount Olympus for being ugly and deformed. Bro, that is mean. That (laughs) is really mean. You know what? It was going so well up until the ugly and deformed bit. Hang on. That's outrageous. Hephaestus was married to Venus. And did that break down and he got married to a second wife later on (laughs) and eventually found happiness. You've gone giddy. You've gone giddy. I've been up since four o'clock this morning. Once you've gone Venus, you don't go back. Although I think, I think, I can't quite remember, but knowing Greek myth, I'm fairly certain that he compelled her into the marriage and it was actually abusive. My dad was telling me the other day he'd been listening to the podcast. Hi, dad, by the way, catching up with the podcast. And when I said, oh, have you you been enjoying it? You know, which bits, you know, a bit like, you know, Donald Trump, which bits did you enjoy the most? And his, his response was, I can't believe Chinch puts up with the amount of abuse you give him. That was his pod review. Is, that, is he the only person that, that sends stuff in like that? Because people should be really offended by, by how you abuse me and my facial features. Those, it's wrong. Those very, very, the very highest wrong. of heights must be dragged down to be with the proletariat really? as we are three, three corners of this particular square. It's why the Greeks always depicted their gods in statuary with small penises. Why are you looking at me like that? Don't tar me with that brush as well. Are we allowed? To, uh, is that going to get? Are we going to get censored? No, I think oh, that, was, that, that was absolutely. Right. It, I mean, it's artistic. It's I mean, our it probably, history. Probably to be won't go over the top. Well, so I don't say it again. Yeah, don't right. say it again. Who is this guy again? The really ugly and deformed one. What was his Hephaestus. name? Hephaestus. Hephaestus. What Rory will tell you about it. In fact, uh, the, these introductions are provided by my dear wife Gemma, who, mm. um, after Hang having, on. so she came up with she this. She came up with it after having laser eye surgery, was not able to look at. Uh, any screens or read anything, so listened to the audiobook of Stephen Fry's Mythos. Okay. So it is based, as Roy will tell you, in uh, in Greek mythology, mm-hmm. and she immediately thought of you when hearing the story. No, I added that part. Uh, are you not concerned about how uh, Gemma's going to react when she sees you in full focus for the first time? Yeah, she's been looking at you in with Vaseline on for, for Rory most of your has time brought us a cake. I have, yes. It's a nice cake. It's, it's yeah. It's lemon drizzle. Is it really? I haven't made it, and it's not as nice as any of the cakes that Nicky makes. You said broughters. You mean borters. Yes. Borters and borters. That tells us, but it very, is good drizzle. It's good, good drizzle. Good drizzle. Good drizzle. I'm looking forward uh, to the drizzle cake, which will be consumed when I stop talking, which is not currently. Uh, thank you to all of you who have entered the SPM PLPL lines are now closed. Best Man Billy is doing some significant number crunching, and owing to the recording schedule dictated to us by a Portugal-bound chinch, we will be highlighting some of the excellent wildcard suggestions and letting you know what the average selections are on a future pod. We'll also be laughing at chinch's ridiculous uh, science-based selection. Head to tinyurl.com forward slash setpiece menu for your wildcard values and see how much against the grain your brain truly is um, and indeed get in touch with the podcast at setpiece menu setpiece menu at gmail.com you can also find us on Facebook now Hal Getz is a regular correspondent who may well have been an SPM buffalo by now if it weren't for the fact that he tends to start his emails thusly dear Rory Smith's audio newsletter 
and others. That, that is an excellent development. You cannot bestow Buffalo upon Hal just for that. Well, if that's what, if that's what this thing is called, then I can. Well, not really, because I'm the one who's in charge. I thought the discussion of entourages, which was SPM 143... Without you. ...in yes. football hit a lot of great points again without me. When it comes to the difference between South American and European footballers' entourages, I don't think the difference is so much in cosmopolitanism versus parochialism, to simplify the points made a bit by extending the words that we used. I think you used. I think it more comes down to standards of living. For most South American footballers who make the jump to European football, the potential rewards of securing a truly lucrative deal represent multiple orders of magnitude improvement in their family's standard of living. Whereas for players in more developed countries, a professional European European deal is of great value, but not to the extent that it would be for a family from the favelas of Rio. For example, we should say, for example, to not tarnish all with the same brush. Consequently, I think you see such families try to maintain more control over the players who sign in Europe, partly because that player becomes a potentially extremely valuable asset for the family. SPM, he says, continues to be one of my favourite podcasts and the only one to which I've successfully converted multiple friends and family members. Keep up the amazing work. Like the evangelical elements of that from Hal Getz. Can he not be a Buffalo for doing that? Yeah, the end is a bit more Buffalo worthy than the beginning. Are we, are we, are we in agreement? Yeah. Just needs to be three out of four. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's okay. a yes from me. Hal, can you write the word amazing in capitals or not? Uh, no, but I can capitalise it on my computer should it make you. But that's, no, he, he didn't do it himself, so don't do it for him. He's got work to do. Okay, so, mm. so well, three out of four. So, yeah. yes, we're still there. If this, if this is a Simon Tal produced reality show, he's getting through to the next round. He's through to the next okay. round. But he that doesn't make me wrong. You're not Len Goodman in this situation. <laughs> you, are, you are Len Goodman in a lot of situations. <laughs> yes, there is no casting vote for you. Uh, Matt Lishman has got in touch. Oh, would you like to make a point about any of that to entourage? No, I think he's right. He's, he's, he's right. he's right. He's right. Also, I think the other thing that's probably worth mentioning, isn't it, that um, is like the closeness of families, that in Europe, obviously, we, we maybe are less... We famously don't care about any of us. Well, no, but it's, we, we have a much more kind of atomized society. Whereas I think in um, in South America that you know you, you you are close to your maybe still a bit a bit close. Maybe I'm stereotyping. Maybe a bit you're a bit closer to your family, so you're more likely to be like, yeah, my mum can come with me. Whereas if I was to be transferred to a newspaper in Japan, I would not invite my mother to come with me because I like her, but I don't want to live with her. Mm. Uh, Matt Lishman has got in touch with a point about the new rules this season, uh, which is our pre-season pod. It's the first time he's written, but he gets our rules immediately because he starts with this. Hi, chaps. Love the podcast. Somehow only discovered it this summer, but it's now the first one I look for during the week. Amazing stuff. Not capitalised. Keep up the good work. Does he know you can subscribe and therefore they appear? You don't have to search manually every time. <laughs> I like the idea. I'm going to goot right. It's Tuesday morning. I've set an alert on my phone. Google set piece menu. Uh, a brief point that I thought may be worth attaching to the discussion regarding unnecessary rule changes, particularly regarding the change to goal kicks and how it's no longer imperative for the ball to leave the box. Michael Cox recently mm. pointed out in The Athletic, which is, of course, an excellent behind the paywall publication, that this change is, in fact, merely a deletion of what has become an unnecessary rule. When goalkeepers were legally allowed to pick up a pass back from a defender, it was a judge that said pass backs, this is slightly tautologous, would occur too frequently, thus creating a negative picture in the contest and lots of time wasting. It was decided within this context that the ball must leave the box in order to discourage these routines. Now that the pass back rule has changed, Years ago, there is no, necess no, no necessity to insist on the ball leaving the box. This is a rare rule change that, in my view, makes complete sense and indeed should have been adopted the moment that the pass-back pickups were made illegal. That's from Matt. This is from Rory. Oh, so he's saying that if 
It was a correction because yeah, of so what pr- had so previously, stopped happening previously. What would have happened is the goalkeeper would have kicked the ball to, to his defender inside the box. The defender would have passed kicked, it back. Passed it back. He'd have picked it up, yeah. passed it back. And yeah, th- yeah, that makes sense. Matt, congratulations. Your first missive has got thumbs up uh, from the man I think you were challenging in it. Um, now, last week we talked about not having an out-of-context reacher because we had a feature with Stephen planned and then we ran out of time because we talked such great content for such an amazingly long amount of time. So what we're going to do again is say the out-of-context reacher will return because this week we'll try and fit in that Stephen-based feature. I'm not going to tell you about it until it happens later, later just in case we waffle on again. You, you, have promised, you have promised me that this is going to be a weekly Stephen-based well, feature. It needs to start. It's, it's just a trial. It needs to start before Hang it on. becomes a weekly Did, feature. A, at what point were we able to like bid for features and regular bits? And B, has Steve like had an offer from another podcast? Is he? Is it? Is this part of a negotiation? We're yes, having to keep him happy. The, the new contract is predicated on him having at least one minute to talk uninterrupted about something that gets his particular goat. Well, even Chinch has started appearing on other podcasts. That's I don't true. think we didn't notice yeah. that, by the way, Chinch. Slatten. Don't think we didn't hear your verdict on Jack Butlin's current plight that in the Stoke City goal me. on the EFL <laughs> Championship podcast. Was it, it looked, that was Randy Binchcliffe. <laughs> that clearly wasn't me. Were they, were, were they better than well, us? Well, it was me, but I was wearing a dress. So, in essence, it wasn't me. Audio medium. I was, I was asked to do that, and if I didn't do it, I could be in big trouble. Were Even they be- though I really enjoy doing it, but not as much as this podcast. Did it mean anything? I felt a bit dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Chinch, if you're going to do other podcasts, yeah. don't don't give them such good content that they clip it up and put it on Twitter. Actually, apparently, the, the guy, Ben, who does that podcast, said that what I said about Jack Butland had been talked about over 100,000 times on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Is that possible? Something I say could be that interesting to that many people. Well, you say interesting. Mm. Do you not think that it had been talked about Have before you, you it? said it? Easily disprovable. I mean, no, they were talking about actually what I said. In response it, to what you said. In response to what I said. Apparently they'd never had a, a collection of words put together, responded to in the way that that was. And, and indeed, as beautifully as that, as that, that sentence as was that. constructed. Yes, well done. Now, um, paragraph. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I don't know if listeners Mark Wilcoxon and Phil Swan know each other, but in the space of just three August days, they both emailed with a very similar subject suggestion. That on this podcast constitutes something of a wave. So here we go with their content provision, starting with Mark. As you consider the talent of days gone by, you can't, he's started this like a book, a wistful opening chapter to a novella. As you consider the talent of days gone by, you can't help but cast a thought as to what these players could have been if they were under the tutelage of today's super coach generation. What would a Chris Waddle? or a Brian Robson have become, where they subjected to today's modern tactics, as well as the fitness and conditioning, along with an absence of the drinking culture of the typical 80s-slash-90s footballer. Consider Arsene Wenger had come along sooner, and the European revolution that swept over English football could have benefited the likes of Matt Letizia, Eric Cantona, and Gary Lineker. How would the world-class stars of today, obviously discounting Messi and Ronaldo as they are an anomaly within themselves, compared to the stars of the 80s and 90s? Obviously, this is considering that they could prescribe to the professionalism and commitment it takes to be a footballer at the highest level in the modern game. This is the reason there is no mention of Gaza within this idea. Although you just mentioned Gaza, Mark. Although you can't help but imagine what a Klopp or Guardiola could have coaxed out of such a mercurial talent should the application have been there. Phil adds to that with... Hi, guys. Obligatory enjoy the podcast comment. 
Yeah, but I'm now wondering, do these people actually enjoy the podcast as much as they're saying, or are we just well, forcing them the to word do it? obligatory might be yeah. the giveaway there. I, I don't mind. You're fine with that? Yeah. Yeah. You'll take any, any praise? Any praise, Doesn't yeah, matter yeah. how they yeah, yeah. come about I'm it. I'm that shallow. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Phil adds... Do you take it seriously when people put hope you're well on emails? <laughs> I, I assume that they are definitely inquiring saying, as to my well-being. <laughs> Actually, I've had a bit of a sore throat. That well, I, 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 my first paragraph back is is literally a blow-by-blow account of my mood and emotions <laughs> at that very time. You asked. <laughs> shouldn't, have put, shouldn't have put a question mark. I didn't really want to know. Well, Phil continues. We often hear about how the standard in football now is so high. If you could send a current team back in time, that they would beat the top teams with ease. However, I would like to flip this and ask, who do you think would thrive now if they were flung into the present day? Personally, he says to add and maybe get us started. I think Andy Cole would be ideal with his unselfish link-up play and finishing ability. So, to quote a camp musical from 1975, let's do a time warp. Again, well, for the first time. Which players of the past could play today? Whether it's their skill set, their physicality, or just their ability to say no to a pint of mild, who could transfer a great career to the present day? And the answer to this cannot and never will be Andy Hinchcliffe. Seriously? Oh. I think you'd have been... You'd, I think Does that you'd, ruin your entire I think point? Well, when I was wrong. coached properly and yeah. lived a healthy lifestyle, I, I be, did become... Why are you smirking? I became a much better it's player, just, an my international natural, natural standard phase. footballer. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing you have to do with players in the 70s, 80s, 90s as well. You've got to take the booze, the fags, the kebabs out of the equation. How many of those players, those people, because that's what they are, human beings, would they be able to stop all of that or if, if you'd grown up doing what players do yeah. now, it wouldn't. Be, they'd be perfectly accustomed to it. But if you dropped a mid-80s player Brian Robson. into the modern game, clearly things would... You'd have to, you'd have well, so, to change your lifestyle to survive, wouldn't you? So this is the problem with, with this very interesting idea. Is that, so Let's say Johan Cruyff, yeah. one of the greatest players of all time, clearly, without a shadow of a doubt, technically would have been able to play today and would have been one of the best players... Of the, of the era, I don't know whether he'd have been better than Messi or Ronaldo, but he would have been up there because he's Johan Cruyff. Heavy smoker. And there are, there are still players who smoke. That is not actually quite as rare as you think, but I think most of them are quite canny about keeping the, keeping the numbers down. Mm-hmm. I presume some of them have switched to vaping. The, um, but are you talking about Cruyff if he didn't smoke? Because if he was playing now, he wouldn't smoke. Or are you talking about like literally taking Johan Cruyff out of 1974 and putting him in 2019 that, and seeing what, how he does? That's what we're talking about. That, the player of that standard, how they were produced at that time and well, take, I, transplanting him into the modern era. Is that what we're talking about here? I don't think you can have the conversation under, those, uh, under that jurisdiction. Because uh, you, you hear it all the time, especially from older football fans. Mm. I mean, when, when I first started working in, in BBC local radio, when I came out of university, I remember someone there much older than me. Was it Jack? It wasn't Jack. It was Jimmy Wagg, the presenter of the Saturday Sport Programme. You're working who would, so hard not to mention, the ne- and then you've just got, no, no, got it, it, it It didn't matter, but, but Rory has pushed me. Oh, I, don't, okay. I, I, yeah. I don't need to... I didn't, push you, I didn't push you hard. I, I didn't, well, it doesn't matter. I'm more nudged it you. It doesn't matter. You're more would, forthcoming about how you're worryingly. feeling, Steve, than you were about the BBC he colleagues. Would, he would tell me what a, what a great player, or his understanding of mm. what a great player Duncan Edwards had been. That those even older than him had passed on the information, the knowledge that Duncan Edwards was would have been the greatest ever player to play for Manchester United and would have thrived in the modern game. And I just don't believe that you can have the conversation like that. If you're talking about if Duncan Edwards had been born in the 1980s, would he have 
developed into a fine Premier League footballer, then that is a very, very different thing. Mm-hmm. Surely everybody is a, is a result of the, the environment in yeah. to which they have been born. There's an element of nature and nurture to that. But you can't simply say because this, this player was a great player in the 1950s, he would have also been a great player in 2010. If you just was to get a time machine and transport them, it doesn't make that, that is illogical. Ev- evolution renders that. Illogical. But then, equally, it's not a particularly satisfying conversation to say, well, Duncan Edwards was a clearly very talented footballer. And if you exposed him to the training methods and the commitment and stuff of the. Oh, Different yeah, conversation. Oh, but obviously, the people who were good at football then would also have been talented now and would have been better. And would, So it's, it's hard to have that conversation kind of interestingly. What I think is even what maybe is, is a more. Uh, what's the word? A more profitable seam to mine is which players of the past would have fared better for their careers had they played in the modern day. And I'm going to start you off with Glenn Hoddle. Because of how they would suit modern football because their game was incongruous to the game And of how the they would have been perceived, yeah. So Hoddle, was, had, Hoddle had a great playing career, obviously, but would he have maybe been less of a... Considered like a luxury player if he'd been put in a modern midfield. I would, it, I would have thought Glenn Hoddle would have been the perfect modern midfielder, wouldn't he? Would we have appreciated? So we'd have appreciated, we'd appreciated him more, more now yeah. than yeah. in the 1980s. Well, he was a bit of a fancy Dan in the 1980s, wasn't he? He was a bit kind of he wasn't. A didn't really of, fit. Didn't that fit era English football. Of football. When he yeah. went to France, yeah. it was yeah, yeah. a bit different. But it's like with the talk of David Silva when he first came to the Premier League. Pep Guardiola said that he, he didn't think uh, the type of player that David Silva was and the physicality of the Premier League he would survive. But actually, football had started to change. It's become mm. a possession-based game. The pitches were improving, so yeah. teams wanted to play. It did become about technique and not physicality. So he actually fit perfectly with how the game developed. And he's been the player that he's been because of how the game was played. Glenn Hoddle is exactly that type of player, isn't he? He had a technique that players back then, not many had. Yeah. Liam Brady was maybe another yeah, one as well. One, yeah. So again, but knowing Glenn as, a, as, a, as I do, but you presume his lifestyle was maybe a little bit Different. He probably didn't do the things that a lot of other players would do. Maybe he didn't got away with it. But actually then it was the drinking culture, the, the life that you live, nightclubs. Mm. That's how it was. That was life then. And you were a footballer as well. But Glenn's, that's a very good way. I think he's, he's one easily that could have made the, made the league. Well, the other one from a similar era is probably Peter Beardsley. Yes, absolutely. Who was who yeah. was the sort of player that English football didn't really produce? Although in the his 1980s. intake of Mars bars was... Is that I've right? I've never seen anything like it. And his all, diet all, was appalling. But by all accounts, a terrible human. A terrible human. Well, mm. possibly. I, I couldn't comment on that. You but hear as a lot. player, Surpri- amazing. But so, that, so that is not linked to his intake of Mars bars. No, it's just, Ma- I, Mars, although, Mars maybe, is a company no. big enough for us not to be able to take them on. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it might be that all of the kind of E numbers and the sugar was was making him behave poorly. We, we don't know. Mm. We simply don't know. You do hear you do hear relatively negative reviews about kind of what Peter Beardsley was like. But a wonderful footballer who mm. who maybe wasn't held in the esteem he should have been because English because of English football's culture then. And partly because, now, partly because he was alongside Gary Lineker who tended to be the, yeah, the, the mainstream of, darling well, as he, got, he remains he got changed by the lure of the double decker I think it, it, it <laughs> changes inherently as a person from Mars bars and also he was done down by that, that uh, often occurring uh, difficulty for people to recognise him because they thought that he was Andy Hinchcliffe yes as opposed to because people thinking you, you were Peter yeah, Beardsley which is obviously something or that Ian Dowie which lot. is again not Ian Dowie Ian Dowie is genuinely funny but I know you didn't want you didn't want this conversation to be based about around Chinch, but surely Chinch would be quite a good yep. case in point. If Chinch had been born twenty years later, would you have thrived? In, if I was in, born in eighty nine rather than sixty nine, would yes. you have, would you have made it, or, so or were you, or, or because of no, that would because of your attributes, yeah. 
did you make it as a footballer well, I, in that era? Well, I, so I, you would have been playing... 86, 87 20, when I first started playing. If you were born in 89, you'd have been... Your peak years would have been 2010 to 2020. So then basically when football became what it is now in yeah. terms of the science... The, and yeah. that's what I benefited from because at Everton they were doing that ahead of time actually. The training that we were doing, that we were thinking about diet, using weight training. So they were doing all the stuff that really is probably not just done today, they've gone beyond yeah. that as well. But actually that's what I... Cause I wasn't really a drinker. I wasn't really a socialiser. I did a carouser. I wasn't really a carouser. You know, I was married young. I, I didn't. So actually, it probably would have suited me, like David Silver. I I could have been. I could have been Andy Silver. Well, bronze maybe. Um, but that would have, that would have definitely because I I saw the benefit of having worked under that at Everton, and it benefited me. It didn't benefit like Vinnie Samways, mm. who was a far more gifted footballer than I was, but didn't like the regimented way that we trained and the demands on you. It didn't suit him. Oh, so that's interesting. So I would have thought that Samways would have been someone who, who was, was a good, Vinnie Samways was a, technically a really good player. Yes, yes. I would have assumed that someone like him would have benefited from a more modern approach rather than... He didn't, he was one of the few that actually kicked, at Everton, he was one of the few that actually didn't like and actively kicked against what was being put in place. Mm. So again, he really? went, rather than saying, actually, yes, I'll give myself up to this. I can see the improvements that it will make with me. He'd maybe done things a certain way. It's, again, it's the, the, the person as well. It's not just the fact you're a footballer. You, you are, first and foremost, a footballer. You're a person who's playing mm. football. He was maybe, I don't want to do the hard work. I don't want to do the running up and down. I just want the ball. I want to spray passes around, which he could do in his sleep. But it's the other side of it. That's where I saw the benefit, the, the improving you physically and mentally, as well mm. as going along with the, with the uh, ability that you had. That's what you need. That's where the development takes place. Let, let us categorise. If it's difficult to find individual footballs, we'll try to do individual footballs as we go along. But let's categorise, and, and we mentioned it briefly, but let's widen it out to the luxury player. Because the luxury player was considered a luxury up until, what, 10 years ago? And now those kind of players who were prior to that moment considered luxury players are now considered good players. Was David Ginola a luxury player? Would well, you, you see, that's what I was going to say. I think there's a there's a there's probably a schism within that. So there are certain players who were seen as as luxuries, as fancy dancers, not having the bite or the no, a lot a lot of it. I suspect was that they weren't part of the drinking culture, so they were seen as outsiders or didn't fit into a four four two. Yeah, weren't easily kind of. Uh, because they weren't, they weren't, the se- they weren't a second a striker yeah. and they weren't yeah. a, a traditional box-to-box central midfielder. So yes. I think there's probably a lot of those players who would, would have f- fared better today. But I think people like Ginola, and I'm going to r- run the risk of heresy here and say maybe Matt Letizier wouldn't actually have worked in a very systemised game that we have now. That they would have struggled because the, now you have to be able, willing to subsume yourself to a system. Mm. Otherwise, you, you, you are not welcome. Yeah. And I don't think e- either of those players, there'll be others, would have done that. Yeah, Letizia was the name I was going to mention pretty much the minute you, you said Glenn Hoddle because Hoddle was Letizia's hero. He's, yeah. you know, he was inspired to become a footballer by Glenn Hoddle. So I guess he is the next generation of that player in many ways. And, and I agree with you. I, I think despite the, the miracles he worked keeping a small side in the Premier League season after season as he did, I don't think he'd get into the Southampton team now. I just don't think that the pace... That the game, the way the game is played, the pace at which it's played, the 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 he'd focus given, and determination you would need he'd to be remain given the opportunity level. to, but he'd have to make changes himself and adapt what he's got. And he never, to me, I, I played with him when I was well, with England. He never seemed to be one who was willing to give up what what he's how he what saw he did, himself yeah. and the ability yeah. that he had. He thought, well, everybody else does all that. You need to get fitter because you're not as good as me. And I do agree with that totally because the players are very different. He he was one that never struck me as if he'd ever maybe knuckle down and say this is what you need to do your diet needs to change because you can be better than you are 
But maybe is that why he stayed at Southampton? Didn't want the challenge of moving to a bigger club when maybe Alex Ferguson would have said, "You you, you can't play play for me and look like that. You need to be you need to improve." Maybe he didn't want to do that as a person. Didn't want to. The do most that. successful time that uh, that Matt Letizia had at Southampton was under Alan Ball, where Alan Ball managed to create a system that allowed him yes, to be yes, yes, yes. Uh, a luxury player. Is there any? Paulo Di Canio is another one. Exactly. So Wednesday, yeah, yeah. We, that's actively what they did. Chart from that 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 luxury player and how they weren't necessarily considered as part an, an easy fit into the regimented kind of tactical structure of English football at the time. If you fast forward through to now, are there any players that mirror that? Are there any players who are um, technically skilled, but don't work as hard as the modern game now expects you to do. Well, so, so, so you're looking at the top Premier League sides, Man City and, and Liverpool. There's not because famously within Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp will want you to do the work. Yeah, exactly. To, to back but up those, your technical those, those teams, But are there any el- outside of that particularly I who are still good and getting games at a top club who Mes- don't work? Mesut Özil, right. So Mesut uh, Özil would, he is a controversial and divisive figure. He's a divisive figure. He is clearly wonderfully talented. A lot of people think he doesn't work hard enough. They want to see some sort of kind of more kind of chest beating, tub thumping leadership from him, which he's clearly not suited to. Is not part of his personality. But yeah, I, and I think Özil maybe would have been. It's different eras, isn't it? I think I wonder if Özil would almost have been better to be born to play in the 1950s and 60s when there was a bit more of. If you think about English football. Not that we should really limit this to England, but if you think about English football in the, in the 60s and 70s, there was that streak of kind of mavericks. People like Rodney Marsh and mm-hmm. the other one, Frank, <laughs> Frank Worthington. And, and Frank his, Worthington. Who's the other one who played with Marsh? Oh, I always forget his name. The, the other 10. Stan Bowles and Frank Worthington. My dad... Your dad was a, a free A maverick. Your dad, also your dad. My, oh. my granddad was a doughty left-back. Um, the left side of central, I know, central I know how it feels but my, my dad always talked about the Scottish players they tended to have at um, Leicester as being kind of these great entertainers but people like uh, like people like Jim Baxter at Rangers who was a kind of famously a, a ball player and would do tricks he, there was a lad at Leicester called Bobby Roberts who he says was one of the most sort of technically, technically gifted players that he'd ever seen but never played at a top club because Bobby Roberts wanted to t- to kind of nutmeg the referee during games, that was his thing. He would, he would stand, he would stop, stop still in the in the centre yeah, circle and do like, and do TP uppies. That's Conor McNamara he, in a four side game at Short Leisure Centre. He he was very much Conor McNamara. But Baxter, if you talk to Rangers fans, Jim Baxter was is the greatest player they've ever seen, and or Rangers fans of that of that generation. But again, was sort of tarred with this brush of being almost too entertaining. There wasn't that kind of they didn't think he was elite same with Bowles same with Marsh because they wanted to have fun mm. and I wonder whether Meza Ozil although he doesn't look like he's having very much fun maybe Meza Ozil would have enjoyed himself more in, a, in an era wherever that might have been where, where those kind of maverick players were, were indulged a bit more I would like to uh, 1950s Argentina that's where Meza Ozil should have Meza, played d- d- do a time warp again um, but the, the, there needs to be a demarcation line surely between industry working hard and tub thumping old fashioned English endeavour isn't there because Mesut Ozil is criticised for not doing the amount that you would expect there is then beyond that some sort of old fashioned view is there not of the Terry Butcher with the blood streaming from his forehead. I think Ozil's judged for not being a type of player that he's not basically. People want Ozil to be they just want him to be somebody else. The people who don't like Ozil want him to be somebody else and that's not who he is the, um, we have a lot of we have Miguel Delaney did a really good piece on kind of the concept of leadership in modern football that I think is really relevant to this. And his his there's a couple of weeks ago on the Independent you'll probably find it if you put it into Google or another search engine Ask Jeeves uh, the envi- the environmental one Bing the bunny 
bunny. Not been the bunny. No. Do you know been the bunny? I sadly do. You know been the bunny. bunny. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He's a. He's always getting into mischief. The um. Take his trousers off quite a lot. It's anyway, his. Fr- it's yes, his panda get, friend. Get, yes. His panda friend goes goes to the park and immediately removes his trousers. Anyway, that's weird. Tangent. tangent. Do you think? Do you think Bing would have made it in 1970s children's TV? <laughs> no, because because he's because he's black. By the way, I think we've had this tangent about Bing the bunny once before. Okay. I'd imagine we didn't go down that particular road, but still. So. Miguel wrote this piece on The Independent a couple of weeks ago about leadership, which was basically saying that a lot of the criticism that you, you, that you see directed at teams when they don't have a kind of a very obvious Tony Adams, Terry Butcher-style leader is that they lack character. But if you speak to people within the game now, modern coaches don't want that type of character. Modern players don't respond to that type of character. Modern dressing rooms aren't receptive environments for th- those people. And I think that's really important for this because the instructions that players have to deal with now the amount they have to take on board and the amount they have to think about things they did not have to think about in the 60s, 70s or even when Chinch was playing is is worlds apart. You, you, they're going out on pitches with specific instructions to do specific things at, certain, at specific times. So in fact, if you, if you were to t- expand this a little bit more and say which coach would do really well now who maybe was overlooked a bit to an extent in the past, it's, it's Valery Lobanovsky who, who kind of was the forerunner of this almost kind of computerized football where the ball is in this it's in it is in this quadrant you will run to that quadrant and you will run to that quadrant and you will pass there and there and we will score a goal that's what guardiola looks at but that's what guardiola does and it's it's yeah. directly whether it's directly inspired by i don't know but it's it's a it's an echo of lobanovsky's football and what he saw in a much less technologically advanced way mm. which players it's impossible to tell which players from the 50s, 60s, 70s could take that information on board and execute mm-hmm. and equally it's impossible to tell which players from today could go back in a game where there are no instructions basically it's just go out and play your own game certainly 50s, 60s, 70s mm-hmm. and be able to thrive Does that, it, it may not be all of them the, the, the game has changed to, to such an extent that it's almost unrecognisable yeah, Raheem Sterling would be a good example of that. Someone who has clearly benefited from the coaching of Pep yeah. Guardiola to become the player that he is. So, you know, how would he have fared without that guy? We knew there was a talented player Obviously, in there, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Without, without the guidance he has now received, he might not have reached that elite well, level. Sterling, so, you imagine, would have been, well, typecast for, for the colour of his skin to an extent, but, but also you would have, the player that he was as an 18, 19-year-old, Sterling would have been seen as a tricky winner and his job would have been to, to beat his man and put a cross in and that's all Sterling, that, that would have been the limit of his talent. His talent would have been limited by the game's lack of imagination at that time. Theo Walcott, basically. Yeah. Or Aaron but, Lennon. Aaron Lennon or Sean Wright Phillips Vaughan, that, 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 that was a, a stereotypical view of a diminutive winger right Actually, up until 2013. To be fair, if you watch footage of Stanley Matthews, there, there, there are a lot of similarities with Aaron Lennon. Beats players really easily, terrible terrible, ball. <laughs> terrible at crossing. But it brings us back to this idea how you can't ignore the environment. It's all, yeah, it's that, all that, football, that, that person, but the environment... Yeah bears down yeah, yeah. on the football that's surely that has Nature to be the biggest nurture. feature exactly it has to be I, the biggest feature it, that's why it's so difficult this idea you know I, I think it's foolhardy to say oh you know best law in Charlton would have been you know a brilliant unit for United in er- any era because you just have literally no idea of how they would have developed under you know other uh, you know it, other in, how they would have developed under other circumstances yeah. under other coaching methods under different requirements laws laws an interesting one though so best I think you'd probably safely say, like, Best and Maradona, two, probably the sort of two most egregiously talented players of their eras and possibly of all time, I suspect would have been too indisciplined for, for, for modern football. Mm-hmm. No team plays with a 10 in the way that, or very few teams play with a 10 in the way that Maradona was a 10, kind of being allowed to do what he wanted. That position does not exist anymore. I think Best 
would not have been his lifestyle would have been a problem. He may not have been able to, to kind of become part of a team in the right way. Charlton, the funny thing is, you wonder whether no one shoots from long range anymore. So if Bobby Charlton was playing now, would his main there's basically all be coached out of him? Wouldn't Bobby it? Charlton is basically he's got a foot like a traction engine. That is <laughs> yeah, Bobby yeah. Charlton. And that's uh, not, also Alan Partridge. Not not uh, <laughs> so Guardiola was screaming to Bobby, don't shoot. Yeah, play the percentages. Yeah. No, you, yeah, you look yeah, yeah. You, you look at uh, wrong quadrants of Bob. We're going to take you to a different era, but you retain your knighthood. <laughs> <laughs> Elite coaches now don't want players. I, I personally find it incredibly stupid and self-defeating because if you don't have someone, if, if the defence isn't thinking he might have a crack, they don't have any reason whatsoever to break their lines. They can just stand so this there. This is Guardiola at Bayern with with Robin, and he, he didn't want <laughs> them don't dropping shoot. his shoulder yeah. and shooting from twenty. Years. Because, like, it's, no, it's, no, no, because no. they want the they want the high, and it makes sense. Yeah. they want the high percentage chance. They don't want you to have yeah, a pop yeah, shot. Yeah. A pot shot. Yeah. Bobby Charlton is is just pot shots. And it's he, like the Vincent Company guys. Like apparently he was screaming, "Don't shoot! Don't yeah. shoot!" And Vincent Company puts in this, but that's the last thing actually. Guardi- he yeah, yeah, it's the anti Guardiola goal. So is that why is that why he didn't get a new contract? I think it is, yes. He's you disobeyed my shout terrible. from the touch. Yes, how dare you? Get off. Bobby Charlton <laughs> probably wouldn't have... That certainly wouldn't have been... If he played now, that would not be the defining feature of Bobby Charlton's game. You, we'll come on to this, I suspect. But you maybe have to ask the same of Shearer. That Shearer ah, this is a good But point. just this quickly, is this is good. Dennis this Law's is good. a different kettle of fish. Just mm. the, the ones who I think from the past <coughs> who would be able to adapt now are people like Dennis Law who were clever. It's the really clever players from the 50s, 60s and 70s and probably the 80s as well. Yeah. They would be absolutely fine. So Romario, who was... Like Romario is probably the, the closest in the past house to Sergio Aguero. That is, they are the same type mm. of striker. Romario would be fine. He wouldn't get into every team because he doesn't contri- didn't contribute a huge amount in the build-up. But he, he strawed loads of goals. And if there was a team who wanted someone to play on the shoulder and to, to, to nit the tap-ins, Romario was as good as there has been at that. Yeah, I was, I was doing the, the commentary on the Bournemouth-Man City game and Aguero scored his 400th goal, I think, in his professional career. Yeah. And Does he count talking, the ones in the back garden like Pele did? He, and Romario. No, no, no. And no. Romario. Uh, but then there was, I think it was mentioned they'd gone past Alan Shearer's Premier League goal-scoring record. And I very nearly said, but imagine how many goals Shearer would have scored in this City team. But like Roy just I'm not sure the type of striker Shearer was. If he'd played that game, would he have scored the goals that Aguero does for City? Or would he have had to adapt even his game well, how the way Shearer, City plays very how, different than Shearer's, the game that Shearer played. Shearer scored headers yes from I mean, Shearer obviously scored every sort, every sort of goal but yeah. if you think of Shearer it's headers from crosses mm. and trampling on Neil Lennon smashing it in the top corner that was, that was Aaron, <laughs> Shearer's, Aaron Shearer's go-to goal find, find Neil Lennon stand on him and smash it in the top corner <laughs> <laughs> and that wouldn't be allowed either because you're not allowed to stamp on Neil Lennon anymore mm. And partly because he wouldn't have been encouraged playing for an elite team. He probably wouldn't have been encouraged to shoot from 30 yards. How did yeah. Bayern Munich play with Robert Lewandowski, who is um, the, similar in stature to uh, Alan Shearer? He's not exactly the same player, but if you bear in mind the, the other forwards that Pep Guardiola has had, they are by yeah. a major majority, they are diminutive. Mm. But Lewandowski kind of stands out as the one player who isn't, because it didn't work with Ibrahimovic, did it particularly? Too, he's too immobile. Lewandowski can move. Shearer's mobility would have been the key then, rather yeah. than the, the way that he finished his how goals. Great was Shearer, himself in how, position. how great was Shearer's mobility? It's, it's a lot harder to have this conversation about players who we, we can still very vividly remember at their pomp. You know, mm. the likes of Shearer and Henri what they achieved is still close enough to suggest that they would be yeah. they'd be absolutely fine now. So do you, do you but think Shearer would in, in City's team, the way the City operate 
He would, do you think he'd have to adapt his game though? Well, yeah, he'd he'd be, but he's intelligent enough to to adapt his game. Whether it would be City's team, you know, whether City would would sign a player like that, we we do not know. But he would score. So why wouldn't they sign a hatful of why Premier League goals for somebody? Because of the type of player that he is, he'd probably still have chosen to go to Newcastle. Yeah, wouldn't he? Manchester would United would still be trying to sign him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, 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 that I tried. That, I tried. You did. That, that motorway but, service station would just be Sir Alex Ferguson and Alan Shearer in some sort of weird revolving door situation. Think how the motorway services have changed. If they'd met at Gloucester or at. at T-Bay, then it would have been a work. I mean, Ferdy and, and Sherry would have been t- completely out of the comfort zone, all, the, all those artisanal food. Well, they'd still be there. They'd still be, well, they'd be working their way through the card. You should, you should, you should spend years at T-Bay services. <laughs> Feel free to sponsor us. The, um, I reckon that a team like City wouldn't sign Shearer. Mm-hmm. A Guardiola City wouldn't, if Shearer had the record he had at Blackburn, I think they would look at him and think, yeah, he's obviously a great player. Well, but Jack, he is, Jacko was quickly he's not for us. He's been a success elsewhere. Yeah. Man, he wasn't, Mancini he wasn't. might have signed him, yeah. but not yeah, yeah. Guardiola. Yeah. So yeah. even players relatively when, when did Shearer retire how long has he been retired so Shearer is a different generation Henri I agree with you completely Henri would I, be I, fine in the modern game and it's not I even I consider Henri part of the modern yeah, game yeah he played in the, the current era yeah. I, think, I think anyway I'd, but I'd, Shearer is the, gen, is the era how, before how far that been reti- how long has he been retired 2000 and I retired in 2002 I can't believe it's that late you retired what? You thought he retired a lot earlier? Yeah. Mid-career. Reti- <laughs> <laughs> retired and stopped playing. Two very different things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stopped right contributing there. even yes. earlier. Uh, uh, Shearer must have retired, what, 2005, 2006, something like that? It's, still, it's, only, it's only, what, 14? It's not a generation ago, is it? You still, other, you still other, remember how he played. The other thing with Shearer is that he, he looked like a 45-year-old man from his mid-20s, which is very important. Right, okay, and that's important to... But just your memory of him. Did you try to think of him as being an old fellow when he, when he, he probably he, wasn't? He did have the, the, the kind of grizzled, old-fashioned, pre-Roy of the Rovers Speaking to Shola Amiobi, do you remember the volley that Shearer scored? There was an Amiobi nodded Everton? it down and he smashed it in from miles away. Yeah, trampled on Neil Lennon. And Ami- Amiobi <laughs> gets uh, credited with an assist for that, basically heading it up in the air. But he said, I was talking to him about that, we showed that goal, and he said, Alan Shearer, he only had size six feet, but boy, were they wide. So oh, he really? must have had square feet, basically. Anvil and that feet. enabled him to slap the ball with great... Because he did, I do remember, he did have very tiny feet for an old man. A young man. <laughs> but a, a 2006, Rory, you were right, Alan Shearer uh, retired. But mm. Because it, the other thing with someone like Shearer or... Steve went to Ask Jeeves, by the way. Uh, who doesn't? <laughs> Van Nistelrooy is, is the appetite that they had for scoring goals suggests that they would have been adaptable. Because yes. also the game is about sticking the ball in the back of the net. So Van Nistelrooy more than Shearer for, say, a modern City team. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. he scored one goal there's, from outside the box more, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have been... Nice and his team. movement was fine. And yeah, Van Nistelrooy would be fine. But if, if, if the mentality, the mindset, maybe that is transferable yes. from generation to... You know, if, if, if you are so single-minded in what you are out to achieve, as Alan Shearer was in terms of scoring goals, then... Perhaps he would have adapted. Well, obviously, that's a really good point, and, and you're quite right. But equally, just as saying, would Maradona have thrived in the modern game if he was not as fat and not on coke, is not a desperately interesting conversation, yeah. because yes, obviously, he would have done. But if, if all the players from the past had adapted to the modern game, <laughs> would they do well in the modern game? The answer is yes. But if you, if you watch the Diego Maradona film, which I think everyone, apart from Chinch, no, doesn't. Not, I still have you not seen it? You should definitely I've see it. I've got it on record. If you... <laughs> <laughs> went into from, the cinema, <laughs> didn't watch it, just recorded it, and well, then came out. I again. have, I have subsequently had a, a, a very pleasant exchange of um, of 
Do you want to have a quick chat text with Asif Dapadia, the director, who seems like a really nice man? He, he is, is a, very he nice is a man. listener to this podcast, and Get we him appreciate on. his... We've had him, him. We've, we've had <laughs> him, we've had him on We had a whole episode have dedicated we? to him, yeah. yeah. Was I there? Was it, no, no. no, it was an interview with Asif Dapadia. Oh, the episode, well, hang on a minute. Oh, well, it, ha, 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 we've had him on. I wasn't the, there, you clowns. It's the episode called Asif Kapadia. Just look, you I know, don't know what back. the episodes are. I don't even know they had an hour, so they had a number. Chinch, when I miss one, when I miss one, I listen, so that I know what you've been talking about. I never listen. Why would I do that? Oh, well, sorry, because it's really good content. Exactly. <laughs> you should. So you're on top of what has been discussed oh, previously. Oh, yeah, I'm all over it, Steve. But it, sorry, going back to the yeah, serious yeah. point about the Anthony Diego Maradona film. And if you, you know, look up, you, you mentioned um, Cruyff at the beginning, you know, you know, YouTube videos of Cruyff. The pace of the game yeah. is so much slower that that, again, is what they were doing was remarkable at the time. Yeah. But ha- it, how does that translate? But also, we we've, you should have, you should, you should see the footage of the, the first try to play a short pass. Stevens <laughs> in the seventies and he ain't moving. That's basically what he's saying. But that's true, <laughs> certainly politically. Um, but, <laughs> but there 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 are and in eighteen fact, seventies. Yes, we we made we got our own little re-smog in the corner. Here. <laughs> we, we mentioned to us uh, Asif Kapadia, who is an excellent filmmaker. Chinch, you should uh, really uh, discover some of his work. Maybe listen to some recent podcast interviews with said director. Director. The, the, the defending in the footage that he has of Maradona is terrible. They, they're all diving in, so it makes it the, turning the their backs and that kind of stuff. Do you know what? Do you know what? I watched so the video. Really with... interesting to see. But what I, what, what I would just say about the the, the, the transference that we we with... wait and then turn it back to what I want to say anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine. That's how that's how we do this. Just show a fair amount, a modicum of politeness whilst you're waiting. But there are there is at least part of you. Get off my manchego. Ginger's eaten an entire, an entire block of Manchego. He has. I'm going to tell Nicky. Paul Scholes once uh, reprimanded me for eating too much mozzarella by saying, you'll turn into mozzarella if you carry on eating that much. I didn't turn into mozzarella, surprisingly. <laughs> As he digs back in. But you, you have to at least entertain the idea that football, in the way that it is structured now, would have made the difficulties that we have transferring Diego Maradona and George Best into the modern day slightly more likely the game would have protected them if they, if they were George Best and they were a 15 year old in Belfast who was this incredible talent he would have been taken across by Manchester United and he would have been completely protected from everything that the 1960s would tempt him with that he is and the same for Maradona he wouldn't he wouldn't have gone he might have gone to Naples I don't know but he wouldn't have gone to Naples and necessarily had a lot of cocaine whilst cavorting with the mob the <laughs> Mm. Mm. I don't really want to talk to, well Hugh Jordan Ferris again if the conversation we're having is would George Best had he not only adapted to the modern game but been protected by it and been a different person with different experiences done well in the modern game is not a very interesting conversation that's why it's only a brief aside exactly Marad- <laughs> I, funny if I that had a sorry, to, that sorry had what were you saying before that yeah, what that, had, before that, that had occurred to me about Maradona right okay well that's that, interesting that, then, if he'd it? been protected I don't, know, I don't know if the game would have protected him more I, d- I think the game might have indulged him more well, I, merely, a perf- I merely prompt and others therefore are more there is a perfect um, case in point of how the modern game cannot necessarily protect you from negative outside influences and that is Ravel Morrison mm. yep who, but equally on a less serious than Maradona and also Ravel no is someone like Neymar who was who was this lavishly talented kid who's gone off the not gone off the rails but he's he's been distracted from his career in a different way and it's maybe not as pernicious as Maradona's or as dangerous or as chaotic but it's still there are other problems that that Maradona would ha- a character like Maradona's would have to Maradona would have to face now than 
that, that maybe weren't there or weren't there in the same kind of scale in the 1980s. What I was going to say was I watched a video of a goal struck by Alan Boxic, the former Lazio striker. Uh, it, it popped up randomly on my Twitter feed the other day. And it's a goal, I think, I think it's against Sampdoria. And he kind of beats three players, then chips the goalkeeper from about 30 yards. It's quite a famous goal. But the defending is appalling. And it was kind of an existential crisis for me. So I thought, hang on, this is 1995 Serie A. They can't defend. What is wrong? And that, the one thing you think about Italian football in the, in the 80s and 90s, good defenders. No. Nope. The, the, the footage Dreadful. that Asif Kapadi uses, uh, you, you look at that defending, you think that is awful. Compared you are, to the you are, modern, you yeah, are making goal, it though. easy for Diego Maradona because you are selling yourself so far in advance. Diego Maradona just needs to see the it coming in. flying in from 30 yards yeah, with a big foghorn. Listen to him talk as if you could dance past defenders at will. At will. Absolutely I can run at will. You go need past will. But to be lying dead for you to get past them. Let us consider, even though this wasn't necessarily an exercise, but it was prompted by the uh, emails that were sent in. Let's just throw a few names out there. Mm. And given everything that we've said about it being... Um, completely futile to suggest that the game would have protected somebody or they would have been uh, adapted to the modern game and everything. Let's go through some of the names that were mentioned and perhaps if you would like to tweet us or uh, email us with your suggestions too. Um, Mark suggests Chris Waddle and Brian Robson. What do we think about those Waddle, two players? Yes. Waddle's like a, a Mares, isn't he? Yes, Chris Waddle, yes. Waddle, yes. 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 Brian yes. Robson, the, the, the kind of, he, he, he typifies the, the old school kind of box-to-box midfielder and like to drink. The game isn't really played like... No, midfielders have become yeah, a lot more kind of... changed. Kind of... Uh, not what's the word, like pigeonholed and... It maybe suits somebody, but, but not, he, not... Would he be a different... But he might have been a different type of player. Might have been like a Thiago. What would Brian, yeah, now would, we're now changing would, Brian Robson to another player. Would Brian Robson have done well in the modern game if, if he, he changed his lifestyle, adapted to the modern game and been someone else? <laughs> There's a good chance he'll be successful. <laughs> what, was, what was Brian Robson's passing range like? Because if he's if he's going to be a modern central midfielder, he needs bite and passing range. Well, well he's got the bite, but he wasn't yeah. box to box player. He was he was all but dynamism. They do, they do still it? exist. There are there are still yeah. some box to box players. I wouldn't. He wouldn't get into a team. He wouldn't have been a natural fit for a team like City. But I think somewhere like like Liverpool or one of the counter pressing sides, he would have done really well. Are you saying he's Jordan Henderson? Ooh. No, he's better. Obviously, better than Jordan Henderson. Uh, but I think I'm trying. To, who's the best box to box midfielder in the world at the moment? In the world, yeah, um, that's too hard a question to answer. I can't Off think. The cuff. In the championship, no. Come <laughs> on, who's you cheeky? Well, uh, to how many teams actually are you talking about? Maybe a counter attack, and how they're not that. I'm just. I'm now generally many. Who was the best midfielder? I would describe as box to box. Pogba could be. Angolo Conte. Conte, but he's people don't want him to be. But yeah, Conte probably is. Conte. Uh, Golo Conte is his name. Brian Conte. Thank you. Uh, Just to clear that up. I'm glad you're correcting the linguist. No, no, I don't have no idea. It's not Conte. No idea. It's Conte. Sorry, uh, yes, I'm trying to think who's in. Would you describe. I mean, Arturo Vidal's a bit old. Would you describe any of the other bars? Rakitic, maybe? Rakitic? Box to box. He's not he? properly box to box, no. Bayern? No. Thiago's not. Thiago, the modern mm. Brian Robson? No, but Thiago's not a box to box midfielder. He's a sort of. He's a playmaker. At Seppi's Menu, Seppi's Menu at gmail.com. This is going to annoy me all day. Well, yeah. at least we've managed to do that. Um, and finally, there was one from Phil um, at the end of his email, which said, Andy Cole. We've spoken a bit about strikers, but what, what did Andy Cole provide for Manchester United, Newcastle before it's, it's, that, that would be still relevant to the modern to, game? close to the modern... It, the one thing that, would, that Andy Cole would benefit from is that we don't have ridiculous expectations on how many goals strikers should draw. Mm. There was this idea that Cole should... If he wasn't drawing every game, he was failing. I think Cole was a much better all-round player than he's doing. Yes, that's true. Missed, yes. a, Same Mr. 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 a lot of chances 
uh, at Newcastle. So would would he have been able to make the move with his strike oh, rate with as it was then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Hesty, Hesty's a good, a good one. Hesty, I think, would be much more appreciated now than he was then. Mm-hmm. Olivier Giroud, isn't he, Emil Hesky? Now wondering, now wondering, now wondering if Jordan Henderson is the best box to box midfielder in the world, which cannot be true. Is, I think he is a box to box. I wouldn't describe as. A yeah, he is. is. I mean, it's that kind of the, those double eights that Liverpool play. Yeah, but that's not. But really he can't be. There must be someone it? much better than Jordan Henderson. The game's changed. I think by the end of the day, Rory will have decided there's no such thing as a no, box to box no. midfielder, and there never has been. No. no. Did they ever? Did Brian Robson ever exist? It's a dream. It's a dream you had. Well, if you do indeed have some names, then do get in touch and take Rory out of this. I tell you what, that'd be a good part, wouldn't it? abyss. Positions that don't exist anymore. Well, we'll maybe consider that. Why don't you email in setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Nah, I've got a direct route to change. Make an effort. <laughs> um, now, before we get to this week's soccer story, it's time for something um, incredibly well uh, trailed, but rather shocking nonetheless. We're going to introduce a Wyeth-based feature. Boo. If you've been paying attention of late, you'll know two things about his views on VAR. One, it's a good thing. Two, everybody who says it's not is usually missing the point. So every time he hears something that infuriates him with either the adoption of VAR in a match or the coverage of it afterwards, he's going to make damn sure that you know about it. It's never going to take him long, but it's important that he gets it off his chest. So here is the first edition of Stephen Wyatt starring in For f***'s sake, you don't go to VAR! Misinformation is what's holding VAR back. And the problem is, is I thought it was mainly going to be fans. I thought that was really going to be the, the deep-lying issue here. For example, Manchester City fans furious about the winning goal that was chalked off against Tottenham being down to VAR when it was just literally down to the laws. But it seems to have filtered up towards the players. Case in point, a special hello to the Brighton winger, Leandro Trossard, who is now telling us that he can't celebrate goals because of VAR. It is VAR's fault that he can no longer enjoy that moment when the ball hits the back of the net. No, Leandro. It is not VAR's fault that you can't celebrate goals. It is the fact that Dan Burns is seven or eight yards offside, stood on the goalkeeper's toes, Mm -hmm. impeding him. Mm -hmm. That is the reason you can't celebrate a goal. You can't score a goal like that. VAR or otherwise, it is nothing to do with VAR, whether or not you can enjoy that goal or not it would not have stood. Have I expanded my theory on the problem with VAR being that it's got a name? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you oh, did that. It's a very good... Not on air, though. Really nice time. Not, not on air. air. Do it. So the problem with VAR... I'll, I'll, I'll share my oh, feature yeah, with you. because I was telling you the other story about yeah. myself that you... you Remember? Yeah. About that, and he said not to bring that up during yeah. the pod, but yeah. you mentioned this, which you yeah. can bring up during the pod. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, the, yeah. So the, the people... In, if you name something in football, people attack it. So when Liverpool had a transfer committee... It was widely derided, even though every club has something that functions as a transfer committee. Managers don't just get to go like, I want, don't let to go, I want to buy him. And then the player magically arrives. You have to run through the chief scout, and you have to run through the chief executive, and you have to run through this guy and this guy and this guy. And that's kind of a committee. But Liverpool called it a transfer committee, which meant people could go, Liverpool got a transfer committee, it's so stupid. <laughs> if they just called VAR something like in-game technology, Without with something that you couldn't, in fact, IGT then. Oh no, we can't do that. Sorry. No, but something that you couldn't reduce to an acronym because it was rude. That's what you need to do. Do you know in Portugal they've got a tennis coaching system that's called Tennis in the Sun or Tits for short? <laughs> and I brought it up with the coaches saying, "You do know what that says on the massive placards?" They only just realised that it says Tits across all the tennis courts. Seriously, what's that about? That's what you get for playing tennis. There you go. You see. 
But yeah, if they if they told VAR something that, you, that wasn't a name, then it would be it would be much harder for for people generally to rail against it. But I agree with Stephen. I think a lot of it is. But the, at the same time, the other people who are problematic are the ones who are very kind of. And they tend they tend to be from the amongst the commentary fraternity. I don't want to be I don't want to tar people with the same brush. Hang on a but minute, they, are you turning Stephen's own feature back on Stephen? No, 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 no. Does Stephen is perfectly reasonable about it? But right. there 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 is a there is a, a subset of people not subset that makes them sound like they're not quite human. Mm. They are definitely all human. Who as soon as a goal isn't given, because they've had the VAR briefing, because they've read the laws of the game. Imagine reading the laws of the game. They're very much very keen to say, well, actually, that is a goal because under VAR, it's the correct blah, 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 interpretation, and the handball rule is this. And you think, yeah, but that's that is not the point of the discussion. The point of the discussion is not should this legally have stood as a goal. It clearly shouldn't. If it's been ruled out, it it it's generally been ruled out for the right reasons. You are allowed to question whether the laws are right, yes. and that irritates me. The idea that. Mm -hmm. Defending VAR has become a sort of principle, which means you're not. You, you have to say, well, the laws are they're, they're correct. The the law has been interpreted as it stands. You know, the stop and search laws are, are often interpreted correctly. Doesn't mean they don't they don't disproportionately target young black men. You you're allowed to change stuff. You're allowed to think that stuff is wrong. And it really this kind of the laws are these. We just have to abide by them. It's really unhelpful. It annoys me. But what you say is right. But the minute that somebody says, oh, VAR's ruining, ruining yeah. football. When actually it's it's the laws, Football's and that's football. why people who who do understand what's going on are saying, no, no, hang, yeah. just calm yourselves down, because actually, I'm afraid that isn't a goal if it hits an attacker's arm in the penalty area mm. and it leads immediately to a goal. That's it's right there. It's in the law. That's not a goal. So don't be blaming VAR. Yeah. But from a commentary point of view as well, I, I started to think, well, do we change when a goal goes in? Say it is like the Jesus goal. Do we not go big on it because we think, well, hang on a minute, there's a VAR check going on. We've got to do what we do, and then the drama will be when he falls the cliff edge and the goal isn't given. But you didn't see Jesus put that ball in the back of the net and think, hang on a minute, I'm just going to stand around mm -hmm. for a while to be told that the goal is. The players will go and celebrate. It's the natural emotion of it. The later in the game it comes as well. Yeah. Players trust us. I'm, I'm not going to be able to. That's utter rubbish you put the ball in the net you're not thinking about anything else at all and then it gets pulled back rightly so maybe by VAR that's ridiculous a player saying that they won't do it and, and commentators maybe having to check we're not going to do that we're going to carry on as normal and then when VAR step in rightly so on, on most occasions then the drama of what's just happened is, is what it's all about my boss puppet master and Sven Gali Andy Das said to me the other day that um, he's looking forward to the first full-on celebratory knee slide after a VAR review so you get the initial celebration, mm -hmm. everyone goes up, mm -hmm. then it gets called back, everyone stands around for a bit, then the referee makes the sign and points for the goal, and then the player runs off, arms up in the air, celebrating knee sladdle on the floor. That's the double celebration. We're going to get yeah, more the fans. The fans get, Man City yeah. fans are doing that. They're celebrating the goal, and then they're celebrating the VAR check complete. I know yeah. whether they, it's a reaction they're, to they're, the Jesus They're doing situation. that ironically to but make they a might, point. They might carry that on, and lots of fans might actually follow suit as well and but, double celebrate but in terms of net celebrations we're on for more because take, yeah. the, take the Jesus goal mm -hmm. City fans celebrate the goal it gets ruled out Spurs fans celebrate we, we get this idea oh it's taking the emotion out of football because we can't people are celebrating more it's if anything more dramatic, and, and that yeah. was why the end of the Champions League game between City and Spurs was so dramatic and engaging for a neutral because they were able to see the up the pause and the up whilst the other team went down and I found that absolutely fascinating but I'm sure some Look, fans believe that they are stepping in with their own interpretation their own laws mm. they're not they're upholding the laws the, the Laporte the handball that law is in my opinion wrong 
VAR upholding the law as it stands. They're not making something up yeah. aside from the on-field referee. I, I, I'm not sure fans truly understand how this whole, whole, if it whole hel- works. If it helps, and I'm prepared to be corrected by, by our resident nerd. The, um, Thankfully, you don't know that he pointed at Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it fair to say... He's now looking at you, Hugh. That we should, instead of thinking of VAR as like the Death Star, they're actually just the dr- the, the, those fellas in white. The stormtroopers. Mm. So, uh, well, uh, they're enforcing. You can, yeah. you can un- refer to either Stephen or me. They're enforcing unjust. Ru- I mean, I've not seen these films. So who's Darth Vader then? <laughs> oh God! Is that Neil Swarbrick? <laughs> Neil Swarbrick. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first edition of a not at all brief. Stephen Wyeth, and as it turns out, Andy Hinchcliffe, Roy Smith, and Hugh Ferris in for. F- sake you don't go to VAR <laughs> um, before we go and God knows that took way longer than it should have done so uh, we're going to squeeze this in anyway because without this we would be nothing <laughs> it's time for Nevermind Jack and Ori what a soccer story this was an Andy Tells tale from his playing days with all adult behaviour and libel worthy details removed we talked about players going forward in time going back in time I'm going to take you back to the 24th of September 1996 now, this was a game Everton game League Cup game at York City at Bootham Crescent and I was I was Made to think about this because I was a uh, I was a pitch side pundit for the Lincoln City against Everton cup tie. That's why they got me there because I played for Everton. Mm. Basically, I don't know anything about Lincoln. Um, and Everton apparently have only lost two of nineteen away games in the League Cup against lower league opposition, which is a pretty impressive record, isn't it? Premier League sides normally four foul. Of those two defeats, I actually didn't realise played in one of them at York City a 3-2 defeat it was over two legs which is interesting we, we lost to York over two legs 4-3 well done that takes some doing doesn't yeah. it? but I just wanted to read you something I was doing a bit of research doing a bit of research on this um, and I'd actually made my it was long overdue my England debut on the 1st of September 1996 so clearly I was on a footballing international high mm. at the time that the 24th of September came around Everton against York City I'm just going to leave you a little bit from the match report here. Only a few lines from it. We lost 3-2, remember. Hinchcliffe did nothing but fall on the floor when he and Graham Murty raced for a through ball, giving Murty the opportunity to put the ball under Neville Southall and the game beyond Everton. So that kind of tells you mm. the influence I had on the game. So remember, I've made my international debut. Three weeks later, this game goes on. We get back to the dressing room. And clearly, it's a, it's a very dark place. Words are being said. Joe Royal, I remember this, I will never think, of all the things that are said in a dressing room, and I took a lot of stick because I did play terribly, pretty consistently. (laughs) Joe Royal said to me, since you made your international debut, you've gone backwards. Yeah. (laughs) Now that is hard to take, isn't it? Three weeks after making your international debut. He wasn't wrong. But it's a sentence that I will... I should have that on my gravestone. I was going to say that... That would be good to have on my... That is perfect gravestone material. It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Since and, 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 and it's a shame. continues the, even now. You've gone downwards. I was going to say it's a shame that it stays But yes, it's just... I was reading through all the notes. Obviously, they send all the notes, all the stats in the game. And said, yeah, Everton have lost these two games. One against somebody else and one against York City. I'm thinking, God, I have horrible memories of that game. And yes, I did. I did fall over. It's not a great defending technique, really, when an attacker's bursting through on goal. And on. To fall over. Chinch. But it was Graham Murty. It wasn't yeah. an attacker. Should you be no, a little Graham bit... Graham Murty was a dangerous, dangerous attacker. Where did he play? He was a right, right back. back. Good God, what was I thinking? He was a jobbing, quite slow former, right back. Former Rangers Reading. and Reading. Mainly Reading. Managed, managed Rangers. Managed Rangers. Murty was not jobbing. He was way ahead of his time. Clearly, in 96, he was way ahead of his... If he's streaking past me and I'm just falling on the floor... Like an Italian defender in the mid-90s playing against Alan Boxage. Clearly, 
he's doing something right. It can't all have been my fault, can it? It can mainly have been your fault. <laughs> okay, who could have run past me in 1996 that would have been okay? Carol Poborski, would that have been okay? No, 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 no pace at all. Uh, who, who was good in 1996? Who was good in 1996? Blur. <laughs> <laughs> Damon Albarn <laughs> passed me to tuck it under Neville Southall. Your problem, Chinch, if yeah. you'd been running forward, it'd been fine, but you were yeah. going backwards, and so it's very difficult to keep your balance when you're going backwards. backwards. Ever since 1996. If only you'd thought to turn around and face the other direction. <sighs> if you have a soccer story, please send them to setpiecemenu at gmail.com. It can be a story of any of your endeavours on a football field. Let us know. Setpiecemenu at gmail.com. You can also get in touch via Twitter or Facebook, of course. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Uh, thank you to Steve, Rory, and to Andy, and to you all for listening. We'll be back with another set piece many for you to enjoy very soon indeed. There's only two bits of cake left. Two bits of cake left. You've all been Steven eating... needs to go and pick up his children. Can so... I just ask, you know this, this thing and about with And I have with, two with children. So to, okay, fine. With Steve about Via, is the Reacher feature, is that now dead in the water, or is well, it going to be... The problem is, when's is that, that going to come back? We we have an excellent show structure, which I think everybody you agrees. have an excellent show structure. Everybody we agrees. Just have to Perfectly to. weighted, serious content, mm. utter tripe. So what we need to make <laughs> sure that we do is to not overbalance into the utter tripe. So you're saying the Reacher feature is tripe? It's just on just on the tripey <laughs> side of the line. Yeah, we oh. don't we don't we don't want to become like a banter podcast. No, we don't. No, we don't want no. that. That would be bad. We don't yeah. want to That's corner not, that particular. That, that is market. not our demographic. Oh, okay. Our demographic does not like banter. It likes repartee. It does not like banter. So serious content with a bit of banter? With a bit of repartee. repartee. A repartee. Yeah. repartee. The word Sorry. banter is, is essentially, it should be bleeped out. It's that yeah. offensive yeah. to us because we're all above that, aren't so we? So is it obvious? We're patronising. Is the line between banter and repartee pretty obvious? Yeah, it's, it's to do with the number of... It's like the VAR offside line. It's to do with the number of A levels you've got. Is it? I yeah. haven't got yeah. any. Yeah, significant, probably uh, public school education. Yeah.